Chapter 36. Carnival. Forget the tilt-a-whirl. Screw the ring-toss game and the cotton candy. I was on a crusade for some fried dough. Linda and I were driving to her place, and I had started to explain what had gone down outside of my apartment. That was when I spotted the carnival just off of Route 9. I wanted some comfort food after what I'd been through. We pulled into the parking lot of a Save-A-Lot store. Do you really want to go in here? Trust me. I'll feel safer in a crowd right at this moment. Shouldn't you go to the cops? What am I going to tell them? Look for two art critics in a black car? What about their license plate number? I shook my head. Nope, I said. I was kind of busy running for my life. We got out of the car and headed towards the lights and sound. The closer we got to the first row of colorful trailers, the louder we were engulfed by all the carnival noise. It was a mixture of random music from different locations, screams and squeaks from the rides, hundreds of people talking and laughing, and the hum of generators struggling to power this temporary metropolis, all competing for our attention. We walked until we found a row of food trailers, offering all the foods that could destroy any self-restraint. We smelled the sausages and onions cooking on a grill, freshly made popcorn and cotton candy. There was also just the right amount of diesel fumes to give the carnival its own unique aroma. Linda leaned into me and spoke loudly. I liked going to carnivals when I was younger. What was your favorite ride as a kid? I liked the Scrambler, the one that spins you around. I was 12 years old and had a crush on David Dunmire, and we went on it together. Because I was on the outside, the centrifugal force pressed my body against his. When the ride got up to speed, I wasn't trying too hard to hang on. I smiled and said, do you want to go on the scrambler with me? She laughed. Only if I can sit on the outside. We found the fried dough trailer in front of the roundup ride and got in line. I watched the circle of people being held in place as the ride spun on a steep angle. I zoned out, watching the happy faces of the people being twirled around. I gotta get out of this contract, I said as we stood in line. Can't you just stop painting for Gary? I tried that. They just find me. I need to move. I need to hide. The second you show anything at another gallery, they'll find you. Then I'll paint under a different name. If he figures it out, he'll just show up and take everything. Won't he? I gotta get out of this contract, I repeated as I shook my head. If it's the last thing I do. Linda turned towards me and said, That's an idea. She gave me that evil grin that some wacky idea was cooking inside her head. I looked at her and said, What? Kill yourself. If Gary thinks you're dead, he won't be looking for you, right? The couple in front of us finished paying and walked away with their food. I peered through the window, smelled the hot oil, and watched the cook drop a blob of flattened dough into the deep fryer. My mouth was watering as I ordered two of them. I leaned against the side of the trailer while we waited. Where would I go once I'm dead? I asked Linda. She gestured around us and said, How about running away with the carnival? I glanced at the crowd moving past us, trying to comprehend such a fate. She laughed. Could you subsist on fried dough and lemonade? I think the carnies like the harder stuff. You could move to Gibtown, Florida. It's where the carnies winter. Everyone's lawn is filled with rides. Home of the infamous lobster boy. The woman handed me the first piece of fried dough. I could feel its heat coming through the napkin. Who? I said as I handed it to Linda. The deformed guy from the tabloids who killed his wife? Yeah. She took the fried dough from me and said, If he was still alive, you could hang with him. 
I got my fried dough and paid the woman. I walked over to a table covered in powdered sugar. I picked up a shaker and covered my fried dough with a layer of white powder. Linda went for some brown sugar. I took a bite and ate in silence for a few minutes before I spoke with my mouth full. You know, I actually worked at a carnival like this for a day. Yeah? I worked the ring toss game. I never play that one. It's pure luck. My job was to yell at the crowd to bring them in. People were throwing stuff at me by the end of the night. It sucked. A loud bell went off, signifying the start of the squirt the rotating clown head game. A row of people were aiming their water pistols at the mouth of the clown, filling a balloon on its head with air. A loud pop was heard, and another bell went off. The carny work in the trailer yelled, We have a winner! We walked further down the midway, stuffing our faces. Speaking of Florida, Linda said as she licked the sugar from her lips, We could go to Big Pine Key. The cottage is always empty. We could go there. I quoted the punchline to an old Lone Ranger joke. What do you mean, we, Kimosabi? Linda stopped walking and said, Yeah, us. I stood there for a moment and looked at her in amazement as a crowd of people flowed around us. You do that? I said. What am I supposed to do? You go out to a shack somewhere and pretend to be Ted Kaczynski while I FedEx food to you? I wanted to move back to Florida. This art store job was always temporary. I thought about her for a moment, then said, There is an art scene down there. Nobody knows me. A siren went off from the ride next to us called Music Express. It's a bunch of cars that rotate on a circular track with alternating slope sections. The operator yelled into a distorted PA, And here we go! The Nickelback Animals song started to blare through the huge sound system. I motioned to Linda to move away from that spot, and we walked towards some picnic tables near the edge of the carnival. I said to Linda, The scary part of that ride is you have to listen to Nickelback the entire time. We sat on top of a picnic table next to a barrel overflowing with trash. How do you fake your own death? I asked Linda. It's tricky. Can't I just wander out into the woods on a camping trip and never come back? No body. Who's to say you're dead? How about if we take a trip to Hawaii and you just say I fell into a volcano? There would be no body. Oh, come on. Now I'm culpable. It would just be my word. You need a bunch of witnesses. We sat there for a moment, watching the zipper ride throw its passengers around. One girl in particular kept screaming as her car went over the top, her voice temporarily standing out above the din. After a few moments, Linda said, In Thomas Hardy's book, Far From the Madding Crowd, one of the characters goes into the ocean and is carried away by a current. He gets rescued by a boat, but everyone assumes he drowned. That's an idea. I'm a pretty decent swimmer. Can you work a boat? Sure. Are we going to do this at a public beach? If I leave my clothes and wander into the ocean and swim out to you in a boat, who will know I died there? Someone will just find my clothes the next day and assume I forgot them when I went home. You need to leave a suicide note of some sort. I sat upright. Wait a minute. Lance said the band was having a beach party on an island. Those guys know me. They definitely would remember the next day if I was missing. How? My tent would still be on the beach. I'll also have a pile of clothes and a suicide note. We just need to figure out where we could rent a boat. She asked me carefully. You really want to go through with this? Let me contact the bass player right now. I took out my phone and entered some text. Gavin, I think I want to join you guys at your beach party. Where is it? I hit the send button. 
We both watched the screen on my phone as we waited for a reply. A message soon appeared. Lance. Monomoy Island off of Chatham. We meet at Barney's Marina at 10 a.m. My friend has a boat and a slip. We load out from there. Gavin. Thanks. I'll be there. Okay. We need to rent a little boat, I said to Linda. All right. Linda said with a tinge of apprehension. I'll call around. She stood up and motioned me to follow her. I want to find my game. What game? There's one particular game I'm good at. Her pace quickened as we headed towards the midway. I watched a date of mine blow $25 trying to impress me at a carnival. When was this? When I was a teenager. It was at the stand-up bottle game. Poor guy couldn't do it. No one ever won me a stuffed animal. I went home and recreated the game myself and got good at it. The next boyfriend that took me to the carnival couldn't do it either. I did it on the first try. I let the guy stew for a few hours before I let him in on my secret. Wow. Hey, if the guy can't take a joke, don't fuck him. I laughed as we entered the midway and she searched for her game. It was next to the throw a softball into a basket game. It was exactly as she said. Our beer bottle was resting on a little platform and the objective was to stand it up with a ring attached to a stick on a string. The carny saw us approach and yelled out, Watch how it's done! He carefully caught the ring on the neck of the bottle and deftly raised it up into a standing position. The carny tried to hand me the stick and said, You uh, want to win something for your lady? Linda grabbed it from him and snapped out a dollar bill. The guy took her money and watched Linda maneuver the ring into place. Good luck, he told her. Bang! The bottle was upright in five seconds. The carny's jaw dropped open, then looked at me. I shrugged as Linda paced around the booth and studied the huge stuffed animals hanging above our heads. She pointed to a big white bear. I'll take that one. The carny took the giant stuffed animal down and handed it to her. Linda let out a phony little girl squeal and exclaimed, Look, honey, I won you a stuffed animal. She handed me the fuzzy bear. What the hell am I supposed to do with this? I said. I guess this means you get it put out. She said with a laugh as she started to walk towards the car. 